T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. The general manager of the Mets uh, is Brody Van Wagenen uh, on a day after the... Uh, naming of their uh, first baseman as the rookie of the year, so it's a celebratory time for the Mets. Brody, welcome. How are you? I'm great, Mike. How are you doing? Uh, good. All right. Uh, limited time, so let me run through some stuff. Number one, uh, just uh, harking back for a second uh, to um, the whole thing with the manager. Um, Beltron, in in a nutshell, what 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 was the best thing about Beltran that that you noticed? Well, I didn't know Carlos really before we started this process. I think I met him once over the course of his his whole playing career. Uh, but from day one and all the way through the through the end of the process, he was the same guy. He never came across like he was selling. He never came across like he was trying to search for the answers that I wanted to hear. He was Carlos Beltran, and he maintained that throughout the whole process. And I uh, I respected it and the authenticity. I think will play well to our players. Way now, everyone was fascinated by the experienced candidates. Way why that didn't matter as much to you to have a guy who had experience like a Girardi or a Buck. Well, I think experience, and this is you know, I don't want to be cute with the answer, but you know, experience can be defined in a bunch of different ways. And twenty years as a player, being in the clubhouses that he was in, uh, playing for the different managers that he played for, I think Carlos has has a. a Huge, huge track record of, of understanding and exposure to all sorts of different uh, different talent. So I think uh, you know the experience he had as a player, combined with the relationships that he has and an understanding of, of how players uh, communicate should be communicating with their manager and what their needs are on a daily basis, were were uh, so overriding factors for why he was the right guy. You mentioned collaboration. Uh, explain how does the manager fit into your view of collaboration with your other people like yourself and everybody else in the organization? Well, I think it's an easy word to use, but you know, the the old school word is teamwork. You know, you got to be a good teammate. You got to, uh, got to be there pulling for the guy next to you. And I think that's, that's all it is. I mean, I think now um, we have more resources and more information that we're all trying to make sense out of Uh, We're we're there trying to, you know, to help players develop, sometimes developing at the major league level. You know, we had a scenario last year where we were asking players to play new positions at the big league level. So everybody's got to be working together. And if whether those are new coaching techniques or whether that's the implementation of information, you know, it's important to have people down there that uh, that are all rowing in the same direction and trying to uh, trying to make sense of everything that uh, that we have at our fingertips. How much input does does the team have, including you, into staff versus how much does Beltran have as far as having his own say as far as staff? Well, I think similar to, to our manager search, I think relationships matter. I think relationships, I've, I've said a lot since I took the job, that having, you know, having players feel comfortable, having coaches feel comfortable, having front office feel comfortable at, at every step along the chain there, I think it's, it's important. So Carlos uh, getting the chance to talk to talk to the, the coaches that we had on staff before. Carlos getting a chance to talk to to potential candidates for new positions. I think is important. At the end of the day, um, it's a matter of finding people that have the right skill sets and having the right people that he feels comfortable with, so that we can all all have that teamwork and and uh, collaborative atmosphere that you talk about. What are you looking for in a pitching coach? 
know, I think it goes to the same. We, we need to have somebody that's a communicator, somebody that can relate to the players and can communicate the information in a way that's easily understood and someone that hopefully can be a, a long-term building block to what, uh, to what Carlos will be as we go forward. Do you think he – does your pitching coach need to have major league experience as far as coaching goes or managing, or is that not important? The pitching coach or the bench coach? Pitch sorry. coach. Pitching coach. Uh, the, the pitching coach, I, I don't think it's a, it's a scenario where we're looking for somebody that has um, has managerial experience. That's not, that's oh, not oh, but I mean, pitch. has been around. What I mean is, been around major league teams. Does he have to have been around major league teams or not really? Could he be a guy who comes lower in the minors, or does he have to have been around the the, the sport on the major league level? You know, I, I think the person has to have the right training ground, and sometimes that can come from you know a variety of different different paths. But you know, somebody would have to have some experience, at least from from our vantage point, from from the professional game, and uh, and have had you know is well versed in the you know the player development and uh, as well as the you know ability to to handle the, the pitcher pitcher batter confrontation is Terry Collins a candidate for the bench coach we we've been careful not to talk about who is or who isn't a candidate I know you know it can be frustrating at times but we're gonna we're gonna let Carlos and, and our staff work together and be the right people and then make the make the coaching staff um, announcements once we have it all completed and how far along are you with the coaches uh, hard to say. You know, we've been, uh, Carlos has been on the job now, I think, eight days, <laughs> eight or nine days. Uh, he was in the office all last week. He was working side by side with us on getting onboarded and all sorts of different things. We've, we started having interviews both in person and over the phone, and we'll, uh, we'll try to continue that at as fast as a pace we can so we can get the team, uh, team set and ready to go. All right, as we look into the uh, building of, of the team for this year, are there any economic limitations on you uh, as you put the roster together? You know, I think we always have to be responsible. When I when I look at economic limitations, I'd say you know, we always want to be looking at what what sort of projected performance can we get, and what is the price price point to acquire that performance. So, um, you know, I'm not looking at it strictly from a payroll standpoint. I'm looking at it as you know what what's the what's the acquisition cost, what's the long term long term performance projection, and do those two things line up, and that'll be our focus. Do you, uh, obviously, bullpen's a huge key, uh, and we all know that, uh, especially in the modern game. Uh, there's a lot of speculation because of your the team's failures with the bullpen. Uh, you're going forward with Diaz. That's a, I mean, you expect him to be a key part of your bullpen, right? He's a crucial part. He's a key part. He's going to be, he needs to be on our club, and he's going to be pitching in high leverage situations. So, I think that our, our projection system still believe in, in Diaz's talent, and uh, and we know that we've got a got a guy that's going to rebound and be a, and be an all star type performer for us. Is it fair to say in your configuration, and we're talking with Brody Van Wagenen, the Jets, the Mets general manager, is it fair to say that he is your closer as you look at this configuration, or is that not automatic? Well, I think as we sit here with with our club right now, yeah, we expect him to be. To be getting getting those outs in the in the ninth inning, I think that you know I, I say that not with with a qualifier, but it depends on on if he's available that night who who's pitched last. No, but, but I mean he's your main guy there. though. But you're not looking for a, you're not out shopping for a closer. You think Diaz will be your main closer, right? Yep, I, I think that uh, if we're if we're playing opening day and Jacob Degrom goes eight innings, we flip the ball to somebody in the ninth inning, he'll be under Diaz. Okay, that's fair. Listen, I felt if you bring Diaz, which, which we can talk about, we could argue about bringing Diaz back, but if you bring him back, I think the only way to bring him back is to give him another chance as the closer. I think that's the only thing that makes sense. So I, I just yep. wanted to say that was it. When you look at this team, uh, what do you see 
as things that you're that you're looking to upgrade. Uh, you, uh, I mean, obviously, bullpen is one. You can say you need a starter. You're going to be losing one out of your five. But I mean, when you look at this as far as a shopping list, do you have specific needs in, in your mind right now? You know, I I think that the you you touched on bullpen. You touched on starting pitching. Lugo and Gesellman are flexible guys that can move to the rotation. If that, uh, if that's how do you feel about Lugo? Because I like Lugo myself as a starter. How how do you guys feel about Lugo? Is he a possibility as a as a starter? Very much a possibility. I think he and Gesellman have have the pitch mix to be able to do it. They've they came up to the minor leagues as starters, and I think that both guys are capable of doing it at the big league level. Um, And I think that. Both guys have an appetite to do it, so we're we're having their throwing programs this off season built uh, on the expectation that they can start. And if we dial that back to put them in the bullpen, and we have that flexibility to do it spring training, it's hard to do it the other way around. How about your everyday lineup? I think uh, I think we're we're pretty fortunate, you know, and I'd, I'd say we're fortunate in the in the rotation as well. But when we go around the diamond, you got Ramos first, you got Pete Alonso. I'm sorry, Ramos behind the plate, Pete Alonso at first, Bobby Cano at second, Rosario at at short. We've got multiple guys that can play third base from McNeil to Lowry to J.D. Davis. We've got Conforto in right. We've got Nimmo in center. And we've got, uh, you know, we've got J.D. Davis. We've got um, Jonas Cespedes, you know, assuming he can come back, come back healthy. And we've got J.D. Davis, or I think I already said J.D. Davis, who can play, play out there. So and we, Dominic Smith in the mix, too. There. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. is Cespedes someone you penciling in as a player for this year? You know, it's it's hard to say. I mean, he's he's been out for so long, and he's missed the better part of two years. And so, until uh, until we see him back on the field, we just it's impossible to predict. Do you look at this, Brody? How do you look at this team? Your team finished strong. You went from ten under to ten over. You finished with eighty six wins. So you need to find six or seven more wins to be comfortable in the postseason. You have a team in your division that won a championship this year. You know that you have Buck now in Philly. Uh, uh, you have, I mean, Girardi now in Philly. Uh, when you look at the team, how do you view them? Do you view them as the team that finished the season? Do you view them as the team that played the ups and downs of the season? How do you view your team? There's no question I view view the team as the way we finished. I think that um, we we believe we can contend and compete, but we, we're playing in the division, and, and frankly, we're playing in the league that, that's not going to stop trying. I mean, we've got we've got fierce competition, um, we like our talent. We think that we'll be able to go to bat every day and go to post with a chance to win. But, you know, we've, uh, we're going to go – we're playing good teams. And, and I think that we'll have to continue to try to find ways to get better so that we can find consistency. As far as uh, do you expect to be aggressive or at least a player in free agency? I'm not talking about the high – I'm not talking about high-ticket items. I'm talking about a player in any way in free agency. Uh, in free agency specifically or, or just period? You know, just in free agents specifically, yes. Yeah, you know, I, I think that uh, you know my my nature is to go into go into any any process thinking aggressive, and if uh, if it can happen, great. If not, then you know it won't be for a lack of a lack of exploration. Uh, you know, the specifically in the free agent market, it's it's hard to tell, um, and I think some of the needs that we have, uh, or sorry, the, the positions that we already have coming back, you know, don't scream obvious needs. From the free agent market, but you know we'll uh, we'll have to factor a lot of different things in based on different scenarios and variables that are put in front of us via, via trade. What position do you pencil McNeil in at the start of the season? Are you good looking at him as a guy who's going to play multiple positions, or would you like to play him at one position? You know, I, I think the that he'll he'll play a lot more third base this year with 
you know, coming into the infield. I think that with, with Lowry there, uh, you know, being a switch hitter that can play third and play second, um, I think that Lowry will be the one that's moving around a little bit more, but I would expect that he to be playing a lion's share of his infield and he's at third base. And then depending on what happens in the outfield, he could switch out there. But I, I anticipate him playing a lot of third base. And do you look at J.D. Davis as an everyday player? Um, I do, you know, and, and whether, you know, I think the, the everyday label is something that teams are getting away from. I understand, more. but I mean, right. a guy who's going to get, going to get 450, 500, you know, 450 at bats, let's say, you know, absolutely. yeah, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It was a good player. I mean, he was a very good pickup this year. He turned out to be a very good hitter. Yeah. We were excited about him. I mean, I think we liked him for a reason, but you know, the way he, he came on and, you know, he. He didn't just hit left-handed pitching. He didn't. Uh, he didn't just hit off-speed pitches. I mean, this guy. This guy handled velocity. He handled right-handers, and and he uh, he hit at City Field, which th- those things are not always not always easy to easy to find. Your starting catcher hit great. He was not great behind the plate, and there were a lot of unhappy pitches. Are you solid with him as your number one next year? We are, and, and I think Ramos had an evolution to to his season. And, and I think that goes both offensively and defensively. But, you know, he, he gained a lot more comfortability with our pitching staff. He got more comfortable with the information that, that we, were, we were creating and game planning. And I think his, his communication back and forth between, uh, between what the pitchers were trying to do and, and what, our, what our game plans were, you know, he, he was able to execute in a way that he didn't in the first half. And I think we're, we're excited about what that could be. All right, let me, uh, we're talking with Brody Van Wagenen. Uh, as we get ready to start the hot stove, let me get this for, so that you clarify with your fans. Right now, before you make a move, what do you think your team is right now? Do you think it's a contending team for next year before you even start to put some extra pieces together? Well, I, uh, I'm going to try to reserve reserve the commentary that I made, made last year. I'm right. making bold proclamations, but, you know, I do believe in our club and I think that we're going to be a competitive team. And I think that, you know, if, uh, if we went to, went to the opening gates right now, I do think we can contend and, and hopefully our team gets even stronger between now and then. And you expect you to be aggressive in, in, uh, in, in both every way to, to, to improve this team as you go into the winter months here? We'll try to, to keep a, keep an open mind and, and not rule anything out. But I think that we, we like our core players. We have have a group coming back from veteran players to young guys, position players to pitching. We've got a lot to a lot as a starting position. And, and if we if we can find ways to to create impact, then then we'll do it. And if not, then we'll uh, we'll just compl- find complementary pieces to what we already have. And is it fair to say you will fill your need for the one starter from within more than like you from outside? Right, right. As far as the starting pitcher, the one you'll need for the one you lose, uh, you have four. The other one, will you most likely fill that from within? Well, we started to talk about that as we're related to Lugo and Gisnellman. Right. If we can find more value in the bullpen than we can in the in the rotation via trade or via via free agency, then Lugo and Gisnellman will will fill that role. If we can if we can do the other, if we feel like we can identify starting pitchers that that, uh, that fit well with us from a value standpoint, then we'll probably make a you know, make Lugo and Gesellman key pieces of the bullpen again. So I think it really depends on what the value proposition for is via trade and free agency for, for the, those two talent pools. All right, two things. Number one, we're talking with Brody Van Wagenen. What did, what did you learn from Nationals winning the World Series this year? Um, that it stings to not win a World Series as a member of the New York Mets. That's number one. Um, number two is, is I do think that it reinforces the value of having high-impact players, particularly at the starting pitcher position and that, uh, that if a team can get in the playoffs with, with talent, then 
you know, a championship is possible. So and, I think we're, we're encouraged by that. And what did you learn from your journey through your first season as general manager? That, uh, that it's not as easy as it looks and that, uh, that winning games over, over course of 27 outs is, is a very, very hard thing and a delicate thing to accomplish. So uh, the marginal difference between winning and losing is incredibly small, and we have to, uh, we have to find ways to, to win, those, win those margins. Thanks very much, Brody. Appreciate it. Good luck. All right, Mike. Congratulations on, uh, on retirement. Thank that's, you. Uh, that's really going to be it. We'll, lose, we'll miss you. All right. Thank you very much. I'll be around a little bit, but, I, yeah, but, but as far as the everyday stuff, you're right. So thank you very much, and uh, good luck, and congratulations on uh, Pete Alonso. you got a good one there. So congratulations on uh, the Mets procuring the Rookie of the Year, which obviously you knew you were going to get, but congratulations on that. Thank, thank, thank you. So All right. Brody All right, Van Mike, Wagenen, tomorrow we will have uh, Brian Cashman. Uh, he will be with us as we talk Yankees, and the Yankees will shop a little bit more. See, I think with the Mets, I think with having the four pitches they have, and I would put Lugo in the fifth spot. That's how I would do it, and I would go heavy on the bullpen. There's been talk of them going after Patances, which I think would be a good move. I'm against bringing Diaz back. I am totally against that. Uh, but I like Lugo as a starter. I think Lugo would be very would fit very well with their other starters. They obviously have the big two, one, two. Then they have Mats and Stroman, and they would have Lugo. I like that a lot. Um, I'd like to see them add a very good outfielder, and I think that would work. The rest of their team is more than enough. McNeil goes to third base for me. Lowry can be the uh you know, the journeyman who plays for sec- he'll get a lot of time for Cano at second base. Cano will play half the time. He won't play much more than that. Uh, and Cano showed you enough that he still got a live bat when he was, you know, he was healthy the second half. He hit well. Um, I don't worry about Cano. Uh, and you have Lowry. I can go with those two there. Play McNeil at third base for the most part. I, J.D. Davis and left. I'd get an everyday center fielder and obviously Conforto and right. That's not a bad lineup. It's a pretty good team. I don't think what they're going to get out of Cespedes. He wouldn't even commit to Cespedes. So I, I think that's a long shot at best. Uh, but there's your Mets. They're not going to break the bank in, spring, in uh, free agency. You know that. The Yankees, well, they might break the bank. We'll talk to their general manager tomorrow. Back after this. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.